Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Amen, amen. You can be seated, and as you are seated, the uh, elementary students can head on back to their class and be a part of uh, what God has for them this morning with their teachers and, and the team that's back there waiting to uh, welcome them into their uh, ministry area. And uh, as some of you always uh, ask so faithfully, the offering uh, will be collected at the end as the ushers are at the back door. So, wow, what a great way to start the day. Amen. What a great way to start the day, and in this time together this morning, we are actually finishing our study, our brief study on Revelation, and what a, what a tough book that is to kind of, you know, fit into four weeks. It just is almost impossible, but we've just tried to hit some of the highlights, and what we want to do today is we end this study and kick off a new one next week that you don't want to miss. It's called Wrecked, how God will come and wreck your life and wreck your plans and wreck the people and, and everything that you thought was going to take place. Place, but I won't preach that this morning, but, but we're, we're going to break this, uh, this book, this entire book. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the last book. Uh, toward the end of the, the book there, you may have some maps and notes and whatever, but the book of Revelation, we're going to break it into five specific areas. And, and, and I want to encourage you uh, right here once again to read the entire book of Revelation. Uh, it should take you about tw- uh, 45 to minutes to an hour or so to read that, but we're going to look at the five main themes uh, this morning of this, this book, and we're going to look at who Jesus is in every one of those areas. So if you're taking notes, just write that down. We're going to find out who Jesus is in every one of the five sections of this book called Revelation, and when you read it in light of who Jesus is in Revelation, you're not going to be freaked out, but instead it's going to build your faith. Somebody say, build my faith. Now everybody else try it. Build my faith. Because that's a big part of what we are as the church. We are to be building our faith in and through Jesus Christ and his word. So if you're ready to dive in and and get into it and and jump in right now, would you give give a big shout and cheer right now across the room, huh? Hey, that's, that's pretty good for your first time. Now. Not bad at all. Uh, get ready to listen quick because we've got a lot to cover. And we're going to start, as we should, in section one. And that tells us this, that Jesus is, and it's already been proclaimed this morning in the last few moments, Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. Amen? And, and, and some of you may not know what it is, but that's the theme of the first three sections, an overarching idea. If you want to jot this down in chapters one through three, the first three chapters, is that Jesus is returning soon. Boy, isn't that good news? He, wow, one of us are excited, huh? Jesus is returning soon. And let's listen to what the Bible says right out of the gate in, in chapter one, verse seven. John has this vision and he says, Look, he, Jesus, is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Now, this is not the first return of Jesus that we looked at in week one, several weeks back when he comes back like a thief. Remember, those who are left behind don't even know what happened. But this is the second coming of Jesus, the first time he comes for his church. And this time that we're talking about right now, he's coming with his church. You know what that means? That means that those of us who love Jesus Christ and have given him our lives, we get to come back with him. Again, me and Amy are really excited about it. I don't know about the rest of you. But we're going to make that trip with him. And the Bible says every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be, John writes, amen. 
Then it goes on to say, I am the Alpha and the Omega, Jesus says. The Lord God who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty says. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet, and Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. In our, our language here in America, he would have said, I am the A and the Some of you remember that. That's really good. Give you a gold star. I was there before the beginning of the world, and I am already at the end of it. I don't know how that works. It's mind-blowing, but that's what he is. And he says, I want you to know what's going to happen. You don't need to worry because I've written the last page of the book. And if you are a Christian, it is something you should not be afraid of, right? Ever. He said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, which means the first and the last. I am the beginning and the end. And I will show you how it all ends, and it ends with the best news ever because I am the Alpha and Omega. Now, John goes on with his vision of Jesus in verses 14 and 15. He says, his head and his hair were like white wool and and as white as snow, like some of us in here are getting a little age on us. And his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in the furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. And he goes on and writes, in his right hand he held seven stars. Now, some of you are thinking, man, wait a minute, I, I, I don't know, what, what does that mean? Well, it's not literal. This, uh, some of Revelation, a lot of uh, different places of the Bible, they use what's called symbolism. In fact, if you read on, John's going to tell you what the seven stars are. And actually, they represent the seven angels of the seven churches. Remember, we had a, a series uh, a couple of years back called Seven Letters, the letters to the seven churches of Revelation. So that's what he's referring to here as the seven stars where he held in his hand. And then he says, out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged what? Sword, which is what, as we know? The word of God comes out of his mouth. Now, it's not a carnival trick that he's talking about. He didn't come out of heaven and say, hey, y'all ready for this? Watch this. Poof. Here it is. No, it's nothing like that. It's actually the double-edged sword of God's Word that's coming out of His mouth. According to Hebrews, out of His mouth comes the Word of God, a theme that we're going to see over and over and over again as you read throughout the book of Revelation and throughout His Word. And then John says, His face was like the sun shining in all of His brilliance. And it goes on to say, When I saw Him, John said, I fell on my face as though I were what? Dead. Now, can you imagine that? Remember, this is John, one of his original disciples who is writing this revelation as the Holy Spirit gives to him. And remember, John was the one that just couldn't get enough of Jesus when they were hanging out. Remember, before and after they would eat supper together, the Bible tells us John would be right by his side, just hanging out and, 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 and just being with Jesus. And, and, and he was a, a close, dear friend. So you got to imagine this picture that John gives when, when Jesus shows up looking like this and, and he just whoop falls on his face as though he were dead. How incredible that is. And then what happened? Jesus goes over to John and places his right hand on him and said, as the angels have said throughout Scripture, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, which is what? The Alpha and Omega. He goes on to say, I am the living one. And here's the gospel, which we're going to see over and over and over again in Revelation as you read through it on your own here in the day or two ahead. Jesus said this, I was dead. How many of you remember hearing about that? We always talk about that at Easter time. And throughout the years, Christ follows, I was dead. But I love this part, church. He said, but they could not keep me dead. I came back and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I alone hold the, the keys of death and hell, and the grave. 
Church, as we sang in the opening song, he ran out of that grave. And so should we, right? He marched out alive forevermore. He is the Alpha and Omega. That's the gospel. That's our mandate. That's our mission. Jesus died for us, and he came back to life, and he's promised over and over and over again, I am coming back for you, and it's getting soon. It's getting close. When you see Jesus in Revelation, it's going to build your faith. Section 1 shows us he's the Alpha and the Omega He's the soon returning king for his church. Now, let's look at section 2, chapters 4 and 5. And when you read chapters 4 and 5, you ask yourself, who is Jesus in these two chapters? And the answer is simply this. Jesus is the Lamb of God. 28 times in Scripture in Revelation, Jesus is called the Lamb of God. And what is the main theme of this section? It's Jesus, the Lamb of God, who is worthy to open the scroll. Now, you might say, well, what in the world does all of that mean? Well, you can read it for yourself later on today or this coming week. And what you're going to see is this, that God is on his throne, as John writes. And in his hand, he holds a giant scroll, a roll of paper that is sealed with seven seals. And the scroll is kind of like the last will and testament, so to speak. And it's kind of like the declaration of all that is to come and all that is to happen on, on the people of the earth. And John is like, I want to see what's in that scroll. Wouldn't your curiosity be raised as well? If you're sitting there and you see God on his throne and in his hand he's holding this, this rolled up scroll of paper, would not something inside of you say, I've got to see what's on that? And, and as John continues to write, he said, but I looked around to heaven and, and, and I, I was looking for someone who could go and, and open the scroll, who was worthy to do that. And everybody's looking around in heaven. They can't find anybody. And John gets really sad here and he begins to, to panic a little bit. You can read it in his writing and, and he actually starts to cry. Can you get that picture? That John is so moved because no one is there who's worthy to open the scroll. But suddenly he looks and he sees a lamb. Whew. Wow. Can you imagine seeing this with John? He sees the lamb, which is Jesus, looking as if it had been slain. Now remember Jesus was slain for the forgiveness of our sins on Calvary's cross. Standing in the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. And they sang a new song to Jesus, the Lamb of God. You are worthy. Only you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. That's you, the precious, spotless, perfect Lamb of God who came to give your life away. Now, we, we, we talk about this lamb and, and sacrifice and all this, and it's kind of, kind of foreign to who we are and how we live. But if you go back and read throughout the pages of Scripture, if you'll do a study on, on society at that point in time, if you go back to the Old Testament, you'll, you'll see that there was this system of sacrifice to cover sins. And, and how many of you remember about the, the death angel that would pass by and, and what is known as the Passover in, in Israel's faith right now and, and, and their lives is, is something where the death angel would come and, and every head of the household would have to, to slay a lamb and take the blood and do what with it? Wipe it over the doorpost of the home. And whenever they would come by, that death angel would come by and see that blood there, they would pass over that home. Jesus is the Lamb of God who was slain for our sins. And John began to cry out, worthy is the Lamb with all the angels of heaven. Listen to me, folks. 
Who is Jesus in Revelation? He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and everything in between. And he is the worthy, spotless Lamb of God. Now, in the third section, it's where it kind of gets really wild, if you know what I mean. Chapter 6 through 18, if you're wondering where is the stuff about the mark of the beast and the Antichrist and 666 and all that, well, read chapter 6 through 18. If you want to freak out a little bit at night before you go to bed, read a little bit out of that passage while you lay your head down and, and contemplate those deep things and be like, okay, this is pretty interesting. And, and so, who is Jesus in 6 through 18? Well, if you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus is the righteous judge. That's exactly who he is. Because when you read these chapters, read it remembering that Jesus is the righteous judge. And the main theme is that Jesus righteously judges the earth. The righteous judge Jesus righteously judges the earth. Now, if you ever watch TV shows where you've got this prophetic guy with this weird hairdo saying things like, let me tell you what's going to happen and what's going on in Israel right now and, and where Babylon is and all that kind of stuff. Well, he's going to be reading most likely out of the book of Daniel or Revelation chapter 6 through 18. And so if you're interested in all that kind of stuff, then I want to give you a few bonus thoughts that you can jot down some of these right now and go back again, as I said, and read them later on. If you like this kind of stuff, you may be interested in Revelation 11, verses 1 and 2. And it talks about things like this. The temple in Israel is going to be rebuilt. Now, the temple's been built twice and destroyed, but it's going to be rebuilt again, right? That's what Bible prophecy tells us. And as I did some studying and have heard some things over the last several years, there is a lot of what is called temple talk going on right now. And if you remember when President Trump, just a couple years back, reestablished that our embassy is going to be where? In Jerusalem with Israel. And he reestablished and, and reaffirmed the relationship that we have with, with Israel. Because the Bible tells us over and over, man, I will bless those that bless Israel, right? I, I will take care of those people who take care of Israel. And if you're an enemy of Israel, then guess what? You're an enemy of God. An enemy of God. And so all these things have been happening, and there's a lot of talk, and there's even plans for the new temple, and things are in motion right now for that temple to be rebuilt sometime very soon. If you're interested in the Antichrist, Revelation 13 and 14 through 16 tells us about him. The Antichrist, the beast, rises and institutes the mark of the beast. Now, if you're looking for the word Antichrist in Revelation, you're not going to find it. But the Antichrist is synonymous with the beast. And if you read it carefully, you'll see a woman giving birth to a beast. Now, I know some of you ladies say, I've kind of given birth to some wild child, you know, children uh, myself. That's not exactly what we're talking about here. But you'll see in Revelation 13, 3 and 4, the Antichrist is killed and then raised back to life. And you can also read about it in Revelation 11 about the two witnesses that God appoints to perform miracles and, and, and preach. And they're going to end up being killed also, but raised back to life. These guys are something else. If you want a, some, some really good reading, then you've got to read about them. Because the Bible says when they prophesy, they can shut up the heavens and stop the rain. And we've all wish we had that ability, right? When we were having an outdoor activity, we had this big party plan, going to be outside, a pool party, whatever, and then we see the clouds coming like, oh man, I wish we could redirect that. These guys will have that ability. They can issue any kind of plagues they want to at any time over all the earth. Now, I know some of us have been tempted at work to send some plagues to our coworkers at times. They kind of rub us the wrong way or get on our nerves or, or, or do something to us that we don't like. We just wish we could just, whoop, there's some locusts for you. huh? How about that? And it can get worse if you keep messing with me. 
But, but these guys are going to have the power and the ability to do that. Another thing is, somebody tries to mess with them while they're in this, this moment, this time of God anointing them for this, this, this time of, of, of history, then they have something really amazing they can do to fend off any attack. And I am not going to tell you what it is. I'm going to let you read it and find out for yourself. Some of you may already know it. But when you read this, when you study who these guys are and how they, they go about operating in the power of God in these last days and moments of, of, of history here on this earth, you're going to be blown away. Revelation 17, verse 12 and 13, Daniel 7, uh, 24. Many people interpret this as the Antichrist being raised up to, uh, to assassinate world leaders and moving towards a one world government. And then in Revelation 16, 16 through 19, it shows us that the beast, the Antichrist, is defeated at the battle of Armageddon. As you read 6 through 18, the chapters in Revelation, remember this, Jesus is the righteous judge. And, and let me show you three different judgments that are issued upon the earth. The first one is known as the sealed judgments. And that's where you're, you, you'll read about the four riders of the apocalypse. You'll see the moon turn to, to blood red, and you'll see blood shed from war. And, and, and about a quarter of the world's population are going to die from famine, plagues, and wild beasts. Now, the second set of judgments are known as the trumpet judgments. And you're going to see hail and fire mixed with blood fall from the sky, and you're going to see poisonous locusts. Boy, that doesn't sound fun, does it? Poisonous locusts. And the Bible says a third of the vegetation of this earth is destroyed, and a third of the water is contaminated, and a third of the sea creatures will die, and a third of the light is lost, and a third of the world dies. And this is a bad, bad time, church. But remember, all during this time, God still gives people the chance and the opportunity to repent of their sins. There is still grace even in the middle of the judgments. And then the third set of judgments are known as the bold judgments, where sores will appear on people with the mark of the beast. Water turns to blood, and everything in that water will die, and the sun scorches people, and devastating earthquakes hit, and a hundred-pound hail falls from the sky, and you're, you're like a lot of people listening to this. You're going, man, I don't like this part. Well, don't be here for this part. How about that? Because I don't like it either, and I don't plan on being here. And admittedly, you read this and you go, that's some serious and some rough stuff. And a lot of people, when they hear about this or read about it, they say these words. Well, that's just not fair. Really? Let me break that down for you for a moment. This is super important. If you missed last week, I want to just kind of hit this again because it's a, a really critical principle. And the principle is actually that this is indeed fair. How many of you know somebody in your life, and maybe you fall in this category, who did something wrong, something horrible, and they got away with it? And they weren't punished, and there was no penalty, and there was no reconciliation. They hurt someone, something violent, something horrible, and they, they didn't have to pay at all. And whenever that happens, what do we usually say? Well, that's not fair. That's just not fair at all. Because we know inwardly that wrongdoing should be punished. Our children know this. If they do something wrong, there is a punishment, not a cruel punishment, but a punishment that will help them change their ways, that will help them realize, I can't do these wrong things. They are just not right. So we implement that punishment almost as if God knew that some people might be skeptical. Is this really fair? 
So an angel affirms it for John in Revelation 16, verse 5. And you might want to write that down where he said, Then I heard the angel in charge of the water say, Jesus, the righteous judge, you are just. Which means you are fair. Which means that you administer justice righteously and fairly and correctly. That you're not unfair. That you're not unjust. That's exactly what it means. So those people would say, it's not fair that all this is coming upon me. And we've known people like that. That go out and break every kind of law there is. That go out and live like every kind of hell there is. And when they finally pay a price for it, they have the audacity to say, well, it's just not fair. And usually they say something like, well, so-and-so's done just as bad or maybe even worse, and they're getting away with it. It doesn't matter what so-and-so did. You broke the law. You made the mistake. You got caught. And now you've got to pay the piper. And the reality is Jesus gives every single one of us an opportunity every single day, opportunity after opportunity, 24-7, to come to him and say, Lord, please forgive me. I have sinned against you and I need you to come and cleanse me I need your salvation I need your grace and I plead for your mercy and I want to tell you how fair is that how fair is it that that thief that was on the cross beside Jesus in his dying moments said Lord would you You don't even know how I've been. Well, he did know because he's Jesus. But yeah, in in his mind, he's thinking, you don't even know the things I've done. You don't even know the people I've ripped off. You don't even know the evil I've done. But Lord, if somehow, some way, when you enter your kingdom today, if you could just remember me. This man had an opportunity in his dying moments, strung out on that cross, bleeding and gasping for air. And Jesus looked at him and said, what? Today. Today, 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 you will be with me in my kingdom. Now we look at that and say, well, man, is that fair? You better believe it's fair. Why? Because the Holy Spirit helped this man understand that there was a just, merciful, and loving spotless lamb of God that was hanging right beside him that came to take away the sins of the world including his so you talk about fair for all these people that are mindset that God is not just that God is is a horrible dictator in the sky that God's just a grumpy grandpa waiting to smack us over the head every time we get out of line no 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 God is a righteous judge God is a loving heavenly father that wishes that none of his children would be lost, but that every one of us would come to know the glorious salvation that only he, only he through his son Jesus Christ can bring. There will be people that try that unjust deal when they stand before God, but it's not going to hold water. In section 4, we find out that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But the main theme of this section is that Jesus returns once again with his church. You, you got that? 
Revelation 19, 11, John says it this way. He said, in my vision I saw heaven standing open. And there before me, there before me was a white horse. Now about the closest thing we got to compare to that was the Lone Ranger. Hi-o, silver, away. The good guys ride the white horse, right? And they come charging in to take care of the bad guys. And John says, and maybe that's where they got the, got the idea for the Lone Ranger. I don't know, but John says that the heavens were opened up and I saw this white horse. And there before me, that white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a blazing, mm, like a blazing. I just wish you could preach this with me. I wish you could get this in your bones. Down in your soul, he said, his eyes were as a blazing fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. And then the word continues in John's description. says, he is dressed with a robe that is dipped in the blood. And his name is the Word of God. Remember John 1.1 says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 14 says, and the Word became flesh, who is Jesus, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following after him, riding on white horses. Whoa, man, I can't wait to saddle up. How about you? I'm telling you what, the armies were coming after him, and they were mounted on white horses and dressed in fine linen. We're going to lose those ragged robes of, of sinfulness and be clothed with the fine linen, white and clean. And once again, he says, out of his mouth comes a sharp sword. What is it? What is it, church? The Word of God with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. His, he treads the wine presses of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty who is our King Jesus. And on his robe and on his thigh he has the name written King of Kings. And what? Lord of Lords. He has the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is not a candidate, mind you, that we can elect in and out of office. <laughs> We don't have that authority. We don't have that ability. We don't have that, uh, that power, that opportunity. In just a couple of short months, we're going to cast a vote for a president for this country that we live in. But guess what? The King of kings and the Lord of lords, there's no vote cast for him. He is the Almighty. He is God. He is the everlasting. He is Jesus. He is the one that's going to ride in on that white horse, and he is going to set everything right again. King of kings and Lord of lords forevermore. When you read Revelation and see who Jesus is in these precious pages, it will build your faith. If you're struggling, you just put your face down in these, these pages. If you're wondering, if you have fear of how the end's going to be, you just press your face down on these pages and you let the tears come out of your eyes as you read the promises of God that are written there for you and me. In this final section, as we end today, chapters 21 and 22, the last two chapters of the book, we see Jesus as the bridegroom and we are the bride. And the Bible teaches us this principle that Jesus takes us, the church, his bride, to the heavenly city. And in, in, in chapter 21, verse 9, it says, One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come! <laughs> Come and I will show you the bride. 
That's the church. That's those of us who are Christians. He said, I will show you the bride. That's us. The wife of the Lamb of God. It goes on to say this. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. This is a new heaven and the new earth that we read about last week. That Jesus, the bridegroom, comes back for us, the bride. And he takes us to the new heaven and the new earth where there is no more crying and no more mourning and no more pain. Wow. Can you get a hold of that right now? How many of you done some mourning and some crying and had some pain just this past week? How many of you shed some tears? How many of you had your heart broken? How many of you had a fever or a sickness or a hurt or a pain in your body? How many of you had a relationship that's been torn asunder and you've suffered from that? How many of you had these thoughts that kept tormenting you in your mind and, and you couldn't get peace? Then guess what? All that's going to be wiped away. When he comes back again and he brings with him that new heaven and that new earth, guess what? All the brokenness of this world is going to be gone. You're not going to be glued to your phone watching chaos out on the streets of Gastonia at no milkshake place. I'm going to tell you, you're going to be worshiping around the throne. You're going to be living life to the fullest, man. You're going to be in that new heaven and that new earth that God himself is promising right here in this precious book. It goes on in verse 23. And he says, this city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. Can you picture that? How many of you got a sunburn right now? How many of you realize it's been 90 plus degrees for 20-something straight days here in good old North Kakalaki? And with a mild humidity of about 190. So, you know, that makes it feel even better. Don't need the sun, the moon to shine on it for the glory of God. Look at me right now and, and get a hold of that. The glory of God is the light. The glory of God illuminates everything. And the Lamb is its lamp. Jesus is the bridegroom returning for us to bride. Now, those of you who are chicks in here, those of you ladies, you're like thinking, man, that's it. I love that metaphor. Because, you know, my husband's kind of a jerk, and I can't wait till Jesus comes back as the ultimate husband for me. Some of us guys are in here going like, I, I don't want to be a bride. I, I, don't, I don't like that metaphor. I don't like that terminology. But let me just tell you something. It means that in that covenant that he has with us, that we are his beloved. Nothing crazy, nothing weird, nothing out of, out of bounds, that his love for us is so committed. And he's committed, like we, we like to say, I'm, I'm with you for life. Scratch that. He's with us for eternity. There is no ending. He is the groom. We are his bride. And what is this king saying to us today as we finish this up? He's saying at the end of the book of Revelation, the same thing he said from Genesis all through to Revelation. He's saying to people today that do not know him, let me, let me show you what the Spirit and the Bride say. The Spirit and the Bride say in Revelation twenty two seventeen this word, and you can write this down. Come. When we were singing that, that, that song just a few moments ago in worship, I knew that you would come. Boy, it just God, did something in my heart, did something in my spirit. I knew that you would come. You came. And now he beckons us to come. He beckons those who do not know him, please come. Please come and know me today. Please don't put it off any longer. Come and find me.
I'm here for you. Come you who are thirsty, the Bible says. Let me give you a drink of living water, just as Jesus did to the Samaritan woman at the well. Let me give you a drink of this living water. He said, I am the living water. If you taste and be, you will never thirst again. There are those of you today that even now, you're spiritually parched. You're thirsty, you're dry, you're searching for something and you know it. You've spent your lifetime searching and grasping and looking and there's got to be something. There's got to be somebody somewhere, something that will fill this emptiness inside of me. And the Spirit says to us in Revelation 22, 17, come. Here I am. Come unto me. As you close your eyes for just a moment. Some of you might say, well, you know what? I would love to, but I'm just not, I'm not good enough. Guess what? The Holy Spirit says, come now. Come as you are. Come and experience the grace and the mercy and the salvation of Jesus. And all your sins will be forgiven you and you will become a brand new creation. Drink of the living water and you'll never thirst again. And amazingly, what does the last verse in the book of Revelation say? The good news is this. Jesus, he who testifies to these things, yes, I am coming soon. That's what the last verse tells us. And my grace is here for you. I am coming soon. So would you come now so that when I come then, you can be ready and you can go. Don't you love how that works? You come now so that when I come then, we'll be ready to go together. As we finish this brief study on this incredibly powerful book, the last book in the collection that is our, our Bible, 66 books, and this is the last one, but boy, does it end with a kicker. I just want to ask you with your eyes still closed for a moment, if you're in this room today, if you're watching through any, any venue that, that we offer, I just ask you all, when he comes back for his church, as we talked about in the first week of this study, are you ready? Are you ready to meet Jesus in the air and go home to be with him forevermore? If you're not right now in this room, outside of this room, would you just let me know so I can pray for you? And you're saying yes to Jesus today, right now, in this holy moment. Would you just raise a hand in this room? Would you just comment? Let us know. Would you send a message to us? Let us know via, via the live stream, ever how you, you need to, email, whatever. But if you're in this room right now, I, I'm talking to you. If you need Jesus to come into your heart and your life, forgive you of all your sins, be your Lord, be your God, be your forever, would you just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me. I make that decision right now in this moment. Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Our other assignment as God's people, if there's anybody else, just continue to raise your hand. Our other assignment as God's people is that we get others ready any way we can. That we be that ambassador, that lighthouse, that love, that agent of love. And, 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 and we go out with the gospel. We live it. We preach it. We, we do everything we can. Maybe you're in here and say, you know what, Pastor, I've struggled in believing that I could even be used of God that way, that I have that ability that I could even speak up, that I could share, that I could do anything. But I realize today that He loves me as much as anybody else and He can work through me if I just am a willing vessel. If you're in this room and say, Pastor, pray for me. 
I want to do everything I can to get as many people ready to meet you in the air as I can. Thank you. Anybody else? Just raise your hands and say, that's me. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Just raise your hands. Here's what I want to ask all of us to do. There's a number of you that have raised your hands for these two things. Maybe some other things going on in your life. You need prayer. I want everybody to stand to your feet right where you're at. And I want us all just to lift our hands. We're going to sing this one last song. But before we do, I want to pray over us and pray with us and pray for us. Not only for the two things that we we had a call for, salvation and evangelism. But I just want to pray too that God would charge us fresh and new with the fire of the Holy Spirit to burn bright in us and through us, to want to evangelize, to want to tell people about the love of Jesus that we've encountered in our own lives. Be those people that reach other people for Christ. Lord, thank you. Thank you for everyone in this room. Thank you for those that are watching right now that are reaching out, maybe listening later this week, and they get a hold of us and say, God's changing my life. I I surrender all to Jesus right now. Those who raised their hand and said, I need Jesus now. I don't want to wait another moment. God, I just pray that you come and invade their hearts and as they invite you to come in and be Lord of their lives and surrender their all to you, Jesus. Thank you for taking them up on that greatest invitation of all. And God, I just pray that at this moment, from this moment, transformation begins, new creation in Christ Jesus. The old things have passed away. All things are becoming new. Minds being transformed by the glory and the power of the Holy Spirit doing great things in us that we saturate ourselves in your word, God, that we get into fervent prayer, Lord, that we worship as never before, that we grow in you as disciples. God, that we hunger and thirst for your righteousness. Lord, that fire of evangelism would burn in every one of our hearts and every one of our lives as we realize where we're at on the clock of eternity. As time on this earth is ticking away, that we would have the urgency and the fervency, God, to go, to give, to love, to serve, to be that light, to be that witness, to preach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. God, plant that in our hearts and fan those flames every day. And God, right now, we take this moment to seal this time up as we worship you in spirit and truth. Church, do that today with everything you have as we close this time out together. Thank you for tuning into this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.